Welcome to Stories of COVID, the interview project that explores what it's like to experience a global pandemic. I never thought I would see this in my lifetime. It is scary and it's very real, but it's not hopeless. As I said, I changed three planes. None of them were wearing any gloves or masks. I've never seen so much support for freelancers or artists in the in the media um, as I have now. They both laid me off from just the advent of the, the outbreak. I'm anthropologist and author Veronica Kieran, and I am building an interview archive of stories and anecdotes that define this time in history to write a book preserving this experience for future generations. If you'd like to help preserve this moment in history for future generations, check out the show notes to sign up for an interview. How does it make you feel to see someone in the grocery store not wearing a mask? What do you assume about them? Kate of Toronto is one such person, but she doesn't wear a mask because she can't. She has a condition that to physically wear the mask would cause such a panic attack that it would land her in the hospital, creating an even more dangerous scenario for both herself and for the people around her. The pandemic has also resulted in greater isolation for Kate, and she has had to combine bubbles combine exposure groups with other people who are also isolated in order to stay as healthy as possible. I think I remember hearing something about, you know, an illness in Wuhan uh, in 2019, but it was just very surface level cursory knowledge. So I, you know, read the title of something and moved on a headline. And then um, I think February, end of January, early February is when I first started hearing that it was actually a bigger deal, but still seemed to be isolated inside China, um, or that was the understanding. The science is evolving, and I think it's been very cool, but also uh, very interesting watching the scientific process in action. And at first, I can remember it being like, oh, it's going to be isolated and then uh, I heard a bit more about it because someone I volunteer with or a couple of people I volunteer with actually work in the hospital nearby as researchers um, which is actually our main COVID hospital for Toronto um, so she works as a researcher there and they've been starting to talk about it a lot more um, so she was kind of saying well let's hold off on booking this camp for our, the, summer, the spring and stuff like let's wait and see for a minute and we'll figure it out. And I went, oh, she's just, maybe she's overreacting. She's the only person acting like that right now. Um, and then it started to spread a bit, but people were saying, oh, it's just kind of, you know, like the flu, more, but more deadly and harder to catch. And that stayed, I feel like for a period, probably a month. And then people started saying, well, maybe it's kind of like SARS. And then it just went wildfire. Yeah, and that's when I started getting a lot more of a better understanding, or a better understanding compared to where the science is at. We finished the first wave in May, and then 
we peaked, or not peaked, but we started going up again in kind of mid-September when school started. And then we uh, peaked mid-late late January and we've been slowly declining. So we got up to God, the high 3000s a day average uh, in January. And now we're down to um, 1100 a day average and that's for the whole province not just for toronto toronto itself is uh probably one of the biggest hot spots in the country other than there's um, montreal the two of us are probably the big ones because it's just we're the most concentrated it's harder to avoid so right now in toronto uh schools aren't in so we're talking about the public school system or uh, primary school system. They are not in session at all in person, but they are hopefully starting again February 16th. We found that out yesterday. Everyone else has started. The rest of the provinces started and starts in a couple of days. We have, um, you can't associate with anyone outside your household, um, so the people you live with. However, they learned from the first round of the pandemic um, when we were in really strict rules in kind of March, April, that doesn't work for everyone in the sense of you have people like me who live alone. So if you live alone, you can join another household like as a concept. So my friend also lives alone and we have connected to consider ourselves one household. So yeah, so we can bounce between that way. So we have that rule. Masks are mandatory indoor everywhere, including inside the apartment building if you're not in your, uh, your own space. Masks, distancing uh, at all times. There's lots of like dots in the grocery stores and stuff. Everywhere has a capacity they're allowed to have as well um, for stores and businesses and everywhere. Everyone, you can't be open for business unless you are essential for people to go in and shop. So that's grocery stores, drug stores, um, and more controversial, controversially would be big box stores. And then everyone else can be open for curbside pickup if they would like to go that route. Um, yeah, and then if you have to wear a mask outside too if you can't distance. Travel between provinces is open. Um, it'd be very, very, pretty much the only way to shut that down is through a federal emergency act. So that would be, you know, that probably won't happen. Yeah, if they're open, but everyone's a little irritable in different ways about that. The Atlantic provinces kind of made a bubble and you have to quarantine for 14 days. If you go in, whether you drive or fly anything, even if you're from another part of Canada, so they have really reduced numbers that way. BC is on the west coast, the Pacific Ocean, and they are looking at the same thing right now because they're the warmer place. So people you know, who aren't wanting to go to Florida this year might head over there or do different things. So they're getting a little frustrated with that. They also have nice ski hills that people want to go to, but they probably won't be able to close. So they might end up putting in quarantine rules like the Atlantic provinces and Manitoba, which is right beside Ontario, has the uh, same rules as the Atlantic provinces as of a few weeks ago. But 
in for international travel, we have just changed those. And so for international, we've, you've always had the required 14 day quarantine to come in with fines up to $10,000 if you break it. And I mean, jail time, but you, no one's had that out. You'd have to do something pretty serious for that. You have to have the COVID test before you get on the plane, uh, set within 72 hours before you fly. You will then have a test when you land at the airport. And while you're waiting for approximately three days for that test to be processed, um, the one you got at the airport to be processed, you will be taken directly from the airport to a hotel um, that the government is paying to have set up just for this purpose. Because of that, they've limited international flights to only four airports in Canada. You'll be taken to the hotel at your own expense and stay there for the three days while you wait. And then from that three days, you go home or to your next destination in Canada and you're still required to do the 14 day quarantine in your home space. If you test positive, then you'll be taken somewhere else into a hospital or something. I haven't really read that much on it to do your quarantine there. And that's just to make sure that the other strains that we don't have yet here aren't coming in because until we're done testing, and so they'll do tests to see what strain you have if that happens. Yeah, so they're saying it will cost about uh, approximately $2,000 a person for that three day plus the testing, so that's your food, you know, the whole nine yards. And they've also hired a security firm to um, do more follow-up with people to make sure they're following their 14 days afterwards um, because the police services don't have time to be, you know, checking in on everyone and doing all that. And so just a bit more accountability that way because we've had issues with some people not taking it very seriously. So I live alone, like I said. Um, I also am in school and I work part-time normally. So uh, I have some mental health issues um, that equate to a permanent disability. And one of the things that I never thought I would have to deal with in my life was uh, one of my illnesses is PTSD. And I um, can't have things around my neck or my face. It really bugs me. Um, and that's actually an understatement. It could land me in a hospital. Yeah, so because of that, when my work put in mask requirements, which happened before any government mandates, um, my work was pretty proactive, I could no longer work. And so that happened, and that kind of took away, especially someone who lives alone, my almost complete social life. <laughs> Yeah, I did follow through with the accessibility, we have something called the Accessibility for Ontario, or Ontarians Act. And so you can kind of go through them to see like, is this how the rules work? Is it not? Because it's new, who knows what the actual rule is for accessibility, because normally with a disability you have to accommodate. But this is considered undue hardship and it took them until July to decide that because there were a number of people all in the same situation when they went, I want to, but I can't but I want to work too. <laughs> yeah, they decided in July that it's undue hardship and it's a safety risk. So, you know, you can't be fired, but you can't work. So medical leave. So I lost work that way. Um, we switched to online school way back in March, just like many people did and finished a very interesting semester of university. Um, 
that way. And then up, I did last semester as well and through the summer, I just found I couldn't justify paying that amount of money, um, especially for courses that were so important in my degree and not performing as well as I know I can normally or taking away as much from it and being as engaged. So I uh, decided to take this semester off. I also don't get to see my family much. So my degree is in, or it's a BA, it's gonna be international studies as the major. And I'm also doing a certificate in law and social thought, a bit more philosophy based. My degree also has a French requirement, so bilingual component. I think it's played a critical role. I truly don't know how I would have managed to even keep things as, you know, uh, stable and decent as they have been for me and I feel very fortunate for that and a lot of it is due to technology being able to call my family who my immediate family my parents live um, on the west coast in DC so being able to call them and message them um, have zoom sessions with my household member and I who's also a student uh, we don't have time to see each other all that often especially because of how his degree is set up so we only hang out once a week but we Zoom pretty much every day and we'll just have it on whatever we're doing so we can kind of see another person moving around and whatever. So that has been really critical. At the same time though, I think technology is gonna be, it has been problematic in a sense because we're getting so used to being on it all the time to handle boredom. It's not like it's a particularly new phenomenon, but I think it's accelerated the issue of us going to it every second that we're bored and just becoming so reliant on it for entertainment and needing to check constantly hoping something has happened. I'm noticing at least with myself that that's happening way more and I'm concerned about when we're coming out of this and going back and into the world a bit more if I'm going to have and if others are going to have the same ability as before to focus on conversation and engage with the world around them instead of just constantly being glued to their technology or feeling I also worry about feeling less comfortable with interacting with people. I think about how I've been, I've been hospitalized a few times earlier on in my life. And um, I know when you come out of that space where it's all quiet, not perfectly quiet, but it's quieter and there's less going on, there's less stimulation and you come out, the world just can feel like a shock, even if you want to be more and overwhelming. And uh, I'm worried about a bunch of people experiencing that and then going to hide away with their technology more because that's now going to become a safe space of sorts. So because of the pandemic, I had to go back on medication because of just the situation and really losing every coping, access to every coping skill and support and everything I've built in my life over the years to kind of live well and healthily. I lost almost all of them through this, just through regulations and realities. Um, and that's resulted in me having to be on medication for the first time in years. So the other one that always sticks out to me is getting yelled at by people or glared at by people. It's better now. I've worked for seven months to get up to being almost able to wear a mask for two hours, as long as I'm not breathing too hard and I'm not um, needing to focus too hard on anything. So I can get my grocery shopping done, which is nice. But 
before I could do that, um, all I could do was you know, the best I could, which is wear a face shield and that doesn't do much. So everyone, not everyone, but every time I went out, there'd be people glaring at me and making out of their breath comments. And every once in a while, people would yell at me. And no, I can't stop and explain my whole life story to them. But like, oh, he's such a COVID, COVID idiot and all this stuff. No, I truly believe everything and I wish I could do what you're doing. I just can't, but I still need to buy food. a few of those moments. That's probably one of my big standout, unique pending ones. Thank you for listening. Subscribe so that you don't miss an interview. I interview multiple people a week and I am releasing these episodes as fast as I can. And if the story meant something to you, share it because it will probably mean something to someone else. Every time you share the project, it helps the project grow. So thank you. Until next time, stay safe, stay well.